The following is not intended for younger audiences. The opinions expressed do not reflect the views of the podcaster's employers. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy the one and only Two Dudes, One Double Feature. Welcome! Welcome everyone to a Two Dudes special presentation. I am Dude One, Richard. And I'm Dude Two, Joe. And we are, we have another special presentation. We've now done two of these in a, well three, I guess, two, I don't know. Depends on what we upload. But uh, (laughs) we've now done at least two of these in a short span of time. But this one uh, was long in, in, uh the planning process but before we get to that uh due to even though i kind of already know the answer to this after what we just did um other than that how are you uh well you know i'm not gonna get into how i feel immediately (laughs) so we gotta do that later (laughs) we'll do that later do the the my current state of things later but i can talk about my recent you know couple of days and all and all that um so this is our first episode we've recorded in the first thing we've recorded in 2024 if i'm not mistaken right Mm -hmm. because the other ones have been in all in 2023 um and so i've gotten started with watching things i've never seen before in 2024 like i did that list i really liked making that list for 2023 um you know i include shorts and feature length movies on that list and I've seen a couple, I've seen some really, let me tell you, I've seen some really good movies. Um, Before I get into those, I've been going through um, one particular blind spot of mine are the the films of Laurel and Hardy. I have never watched a Laurel and Hardy movie in my life. And Flickr Alley, who is one of my favorite labels, I put out a lot of great silent movie discs and uh, among other things, but... Um, they put out a great set of the 1927 silent films that they did, and these are newly restored, and they had you know all stuff materials from all over the world. They all have commentary tracks. There's a bonus feature describing the restoration process. There's you know recommended books you could read if you want to learn more about Laurel and Hardy. It's a great, fantastic set, and I'm I'm just as a silent film fan. And movie fan, I'm just grateful that silent film gets put out on Blu-ray, right? Um, especially because, like, it, it. I think for a lot of these titles, that's like the point. That's the limit. You know, I don't think it's gonna get to 4K for most of these things. Um, so there's that. Uh, but as far as like features go, I watched What's Up Doc movie from Peter Bogdanovich, screwball comedy. So funny, dude. Really funny. And Barbara Streisand. Whoa. Barbara Streisand. Woo woo! woo. <laughs> <laughs> um, good old good old Barbara Streisand. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Um I think the other things that I've like 
it's just it's it's been it's been pretty good um, as far as that stuff's concerned lately. And I watched watching some Hitchcock. I watched uh, The Trouble with Harry, um, which is kind of like a almost like darkly comic thing. It's almost like a lighter Hitchcock where it's like they have this dead body and they don't they're not quite sure who killed this guy, so they're all trying to figure out what to do with the body, basically. Um okay. fun fun enough fun enough time. It has um Shirley McLean's in it and uh Edmund Gwen, if you're familiar with uh Miracle on thirty fourth street, he plays Chris Kringle in that. So seeing him in this is all it's it's always fun to see him in something that's not Santa Claus. Um I watched just to talk about it quickly, I watched the holdovers, um the 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 new movie with you know Paul Giamatti, um, I just got just a few just a few quick words like Dominic Sessa like who the kid who's in it, terrific, yeah. unbelievable, uh, Divine Joy Randolph, amazing, and then uh, Giamatti. <laughs> it's unfortunate. It's, it's like the uh, Giamatti's character is my literally me character, I guess, uh, <laughs> but not like in the. Oh yeah, this guy's like a stud. It's like no, I see some of myself in this, and it's not. Great. So, so Paul Giamatti in the holdovers with the wardrobe of Michael Fassbender from The Killer. <laughs> and there we go. Yeah, we got yeah, Joey. Yes, there we go. Um, yes, there's me. Um, <laughs> that's really all I have been doing. Um, I about to get busier pretty soon. Um, and I got, I got a, uh, doctor's checkup, physical checkup, uh, later this week. So I got to get, I got to do a blood test soon so I can just, you know, check out all that stuff. But, uh, that's about it. How are you doing? Uh, I'm all right. Um, I do have, uh, one thing I do want to talk about, um, that I, I think it was available, Last time we recorded something and I just forgot to talk about it or it wasn't. I don't remember. But, um, okay. So for those of you who might not know or, you know, maybe you've listened for a while, but you just haven't like caught on or just maybe haven't caught every episode. Um, there, we have, we have a fake band on the show called the Butter Sweets that, um, that really ultimately it's a creation of John and Kenny Armstrong who do the music for us and, uh, there's been a handful of songs that were made under the buttersweet sort of uh, nomenclature, <laughs> you will. Um, big word. And um, John, Kenny, and I have been talking for a while about doing some kind of compilation or or album or Spotify or something and just take all the songs that we've done for the show and then put it there. And recently, if you listen to our Christmas episode, we did a Christmas song called Christmas Baby, which is arguably the most normal song <laughs> I think we've done. Though, like, like out of context, you could probably argue we've done a lot of, like, kind of love songs that are somewhat normal. Like, At Twilight's relatively normal. Buttercup Please is relatively normal. Obviously, Twilight and Princess Bride, there's, like, the connections there, but... Um, Christmas Baby was just kind of like out of nowhere. They sent me the song and they were like, "Hey, yeah, we want you to sing this one." And I'm like, "All right." And then I I hear the song and I, I see the lyrics and I'm like, "Where do I get nihilistic? <laughs> or, or where do I get like where where's the crazy part where like the character I play in the Butter Sweets uh, comes forward?" 
but it never happened. And it, it's like a really, it's kind of a lovely little Christmas song that they wrote. And um, John made a, I don't know how, I, I forget what he t- what he told me how he did it, but I guess it was a similar process to how we do this show with, with SoundCloud and how that kind of like feeds into other services. It's like Disco Kid or something I think it's called. But John made a Buttersweets Spotify, uh, which at the moment, only has Christmas Baby and the first Buttersweet song, Girlfriend for Christmas, which uh, is actually an edited version because uh, John extended out the bit that I sing, so, like, my whole lyrics is in it as opposed to just, like, the first portion of it. Mm. And also, it's one of the few songs that we get to hear uh, Joey sing in it as well, um, where he gets the ho, ho, ho. Yeah, I'm Santa. (laughs) He gets to be Santa. And so uh, that sort of, it's like an A-side, B-side sort of like vinyl situation set up. So that's actually on our link tree, uh, the Spotify page. So if you want to go listen to those songs and hopefully we'll put some more on there, maybe some like extended renditions of certain songs we've done. I know John wants to expand some of the songs that we've done because he finds them a little short. But um, so just just keep an eye on that though because the links there you can go listen to i know it's not christmas anymore but you can go check out those christmas love songs girlfriend for christmas christmas baby um so that's pretty cool honestly that we that we have that so uh i'll probably share it again next time we record something just be like hey go listen to it (laughs) Um, you know what we really need is enough like holiday themed buttersweet song to where we could have like an hour long like yule log Oh, okay. We have well as as of now, I think we have three or four that I can remember off the top of my head. Because <laughs> we have um, the one that's like the like it's a really good song, but it's just super nihilistic. <laughs> like ex- literally the literally the chorus is existence is pain, <laughs> extinction is inevitable. <laughs> <laughs> it's so a Christmas. Family song. <laughs> it's a family song. Um, but no, I just think it's really cool. So I'm I'm excited to like kind of share those separately. And I know we've sort of done it before. Like a couple of the songs we've done on the show are on our YouTube channel, and I've shared a couple of them on on my personal Instagram. But uh, this will be really cool. So obviously, go check that out. Um, absolutely, yeah. And then maybe. We can get Joey on a song at some point. I like because here's the thing, you know. Because obviously, I've made it known that I like to sing. And, uh, at this point, I think it's pretty well known. At least if you've listened to the show <laughs> or the amount of times I've sang songs <laughs> on the show. Um, but Joey, like, I don't think I don't think you don't like to sing, but I don't think you think you're a good singer. But I think you're a good singer. And so I think, I think, I think, I think you could really like, I think you could go for it if you wanted to. So I'd like, I I would, it would be cool to like, like just have like a proper song kind of situation. Maybe just you even like, it doesn't even have to be both of us, but I think you could, I think you could. I feel like escalators (laughs) is like my peak. That was a, was a friendship song. The friendship song is a difficult. Uh, uh, there's nothing against John. It's just I can't like I can't I, I fi- figure like the tune and just like 
doing that. I'm like, I don't know how stickers do it. I'm like, I can't. <laughs> um, <laughs> but maybe, maybe, you know, I, I do like pop it in here and there, you know, um, for shenanigans. Uh, like I remember we did the Hamilton, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that, that was, I had fun doing that. Um, yeah. I think, I think at some point, you know, I was talking, I was talking to John today and, um, he was talking about he and Kenny, this is, this might be a, a tease for something. I don't know, but he said that he and Kenny were writing a Valentine song. That's like a slow oh. jazz. That's like a slow jazz kind of song. Oh, nice. So we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. But if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. But you know, um, I I do think I do think you're a good singer. Honestly, that's that's not a lot coming from me, but I still I still think it's. True. I mean, you're out of the two of us. You you are like the singer, but I'm also like a dramatic person. So I feel like I force myself to go. Ah! <laughs> so I'm like you could do it. Ah! <laughs> I got I, I, to me I'm like a, a, a one trick pony, you know. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're all shook up. Oh. We could, yeah. we could, we could get you an Elvis song. I think you'd crush that. Honestly, like a like a spoof. <laughs> it's like it might, it might, it would just be like, you know what? That's pretty good though. <laughs> My name is Bender Stanley. Uh huh. <laughs> Bender Stanley. <laughs> I'm writing that down right now. Uh, <laughs> oh man! Uh, but outside of that, outside of that, I still think go check out the Spotify. We will hopefully John will put some more stuff on there. Yes, yes. Um, and then maybe Joey will sing. We'll see. I don't know. I I think I'm just manifesting it more for myself because <laughs> I would like to hear it. Um. But the other thing, uh, as far as like updates in life, so as as it's as also as it's well known, I've been on a 4K journey. I've been getting 4Ks, and there's I've I've gotten to that point now where I've learned so much about this format, the ups, the downs. There's even been uh, a sort of rivalry. Whatever, I'm like, I want this on 4K, and Joey thinks I'm saying, but. What about Blu-ray? <laughs> but he's gotten to a point where he's accepted my position and that I, I it's fine. Though sort of accepted, maybe. But, but <laughs> Blu-ray's but, good! <laughs> but, no. Um, the thing is, though, I was only ever at a certain point for the longest time. Because I had like kind of a, a solid, basic but solid 4K TV, and my 4K player was my PlayStation. And that's kind of how it started. And it's like, well, technically, you know, that's not really the peak of what it could be, but it's it's a good starting off point. Whereas now, I can say I've purchased a brand new television, which I've talked about. Um, and it's going really well for me. I love this TV so much, and uh, I'm almost fully paid it off. <laughs> Is that an LG? If I can ask, or what, mm-hmm. what kind? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was trying to remember. Yeah. It's it's a 42 inch OLED LG 4K TV. Um, 
I got it. I actually bought it off Amazon, mm-hmm. oddly enough. Um, and I'm like, you know what? Now that I have this, and I, it has Dolby Vision, it has you know Adobe Atmos, it has all these different features, and I'm like, I want to uti- I want to utilize those because I I have so many movies uh, that that have Dolby Vision that I feel like I'm not letting the discs and the movies like fully get there, and right. also yeah. like the truth of it, especially with I think from what I've heard about with Sony players playstation or otherwise is that there is still some issues like i think Mm. from what i've heard like sony is solid sony is solid but a lot of the players tend to freeze a lot and i've been experiencing that experiencing that with a lot of movies and so at a certain point i'm like you know what maybe i should just shell out a little extra money but i want to make sure i get a, a player that does everything i want it to do but of course, like similar to the TV situation, it's not going to be cheap, <laughs> you know, like yeah. cause they have they have like like solid 4K players that are in like the hundred two hundred dollar range. But they just don't have like all those bells and whistles that maybe you want. So I'm like I'm, I'm looking at all the different players and I land on this Panasonic, which Panasonic seems to be like the the brand that I think most people tend to rely on. Like I've been here, like there's like a thousand dollar Panasonic that people like, even though it came out, I think four, four or five years ago at this point that they still consider like peak as far as 4k players. Yeah. It's like that. And like for a while, Oppo was for a while was like the, like the, the player, but they they don't do that anymore. So Panasonic, like I have a Panasonic, as well mm. i think we have the same i pretty sh- i'm pretty sure because i bought the because it's the panasonic ub820 uh mm. model and it has and it was f- about 500 bucks so that's again it's, that's not cheap but it has everything i want it's got dolby vision dolby atmos hdr 10 everything I need and it 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 does work as a streaming thing but my TV already does that and it does that actually pretty damn well and yeah. so does my PlayStation and so it's like I don't really need that part but I just want the disc playing part and so I finally now own this and what see when I first watched 4K movies it was sort of like that revelation of like oh wow this is like the first time I'm actually watching this movie like that's one of the the great things about the format is that it could really like immerse you because yeah. you're getting that like full thing yeah it, like i said it has it has its faults it has um you know a lot of things that we could talk about but at the end of the day when it works you're like holy shit yeah but because i was using more or less the standard version more more so than like a full on like this is like what you want to actually have um i wasn't getting like the full experience and now i am and let me just tell you i've been brought back to that moment and it's kind of fantastic you know it's good like it is like it is you don't realize how drastic it is until you're actually seeing it but i also like anytime i think that i i'm reminded of like whenever my mom sees something and she's like i don't i can't tell the difference yeah (laughs) You know, but when when you're someone that just sits in their room all the time watching movies, you can't help but notice the difference. <laughs> like, there's definitely a difference, but I feel like I feel like like the leap from DVD to Blu-ray in some ways felt it felt like 
a greater leap, mm-hmm. you know? And I think sometimes that's also just the eye, what the eye can perceive yeah. as well. Like, at a certain point, it's like, there's not much not much you can do to improve this uh, for a lot of people. But, de- like, 4K, yeah. I, I definitely agree with you. Like, having Dolby Vision, though, it can be, is really nice. Um, it's, it is. It's so good. It's I I I it was a whole it was a whole part of this experience that I had just never gotten to only because it's not cheap. Now I and now I'm like you know what fuck it. It took me a couple of years to get to the setup that I'm pretty satisfied with today. Yeah. Um. Because I had a similar situation with you where I had an okay-ish 4K TV. Um. I had a fine enough 4K player and then I used my PlayStation which worked out pretty well for a while but again it can't it doesn't do everything and then eventually I upgraded the t- the TV my sound my sound system which is my favorite th- part of my setup because mm-hmm. when I'm in my man cave and I'm watching something it's like the most immersive like amazing experience um I just want to emphasize too we're not sponsored by Panasonic or LG we're just we could be we could be. That'd be pretty. Be pretty dope. <laughs> that would actually um, be really good. <laughs> um, <laughs> we would have had to shell out this much money. Uh, but it, it is definitely an expensive endeavor. So for those of you who are thinking about it, I would definitely do your research. Def. Oh my God, do your research. You really need to. It's. It's not like I feel like Blu-ray. It was like a basic enough thing, where it was like, okay, this is what you have. It's good and it, it's pretty like, good. Like, and even, because, like, like, like us, at least at the start, like, consoles worked really well as Blu-ray players, you know, like, like PlayStation, I I think Xbox probably as well, like, they just worked really well as, as uh, Blu-ray players, as well as being gaming consoles, and plus it was at that point where I feel like people were still adamant about physical media, and it's not, again, not like they're not now, but obviously there's a shift in some I mean the players specs. are different some of the players are different now like one of the upcoming like players like you're going to need a separate disk drive and you're going to need that connected to the internet i've heard or something that's why that effect which to me is just like that defeats defeats the whole purpose mhm the only re- all i all i need for as far as internet connection is like a firmware update every so often yeah. but yeah, yeah. outside of that you know as long as it just plays my movies, I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, just work. <laughs> just please work. But so far, like, because um, one of the big things, obviously, was, uh, you know, a couple of movies in recent years. I've had some tough experiences trying to watch on the player. I'll probably go more into detail maybe in the future on that. But um, I'm just glad that I got to that point where I was like, you know what? Yeah, I'm kind of doing this because I want to watch these movies, but at the same time, I want to do it because it has things that I want to experience as well. And so, and so far, it's been worth the price. I though, admittedly, I haven't really sat down and watched outside of one movie. I haven't mm-hmm. watched a full movie on it yet because I've just been watching scenes. So I really need yeah. to sit down and find the time and just watch a full movie on it. Because the last two movies I watched, one I watched, both of I watched on Apple, because so, I rented them. Um, but no, I'm I'll be excited to actually sit down and really experience this uh, in full. So I it's 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 really lovely. But away from all that, 
because it's been 20 minutes and we we probably should get to this part i know we've been stalling <laughs> we've like been like stalling for it it's okay. but <laughs> so here's the thing folks um we we uh well you know what as far as how this uh, this special presentation came to be joey do you want to tell the story of how we got to this point you know, I feel like, like you would. F- I feel like you would be more appropriate to do this than me. It feels like it feels like a fever dream, honestly. <laughs> like it, it, it's like 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 I know what happened. I know yeah. that this is my fault. But <laughs> how did like how did we get here? I have to evaluate like, all my feel- li- life life choices. <laughs> I feel like we need to have you like as an old man wheeled into an auction. <laughs> <laughs> like here's the microphone from that faded evening <laughs> see no what's gonna happen is like you bring out a blu-ray copy somebody brings out a blu-ray copy of this movie and <laughs> i go a collector's piece indeed every detail exactly as ting, richard said ting, ting. he often spoke of you my enemy your crappy transfer and your Blu-ray. Will you still play when all the rest of us are dead? And you didn't. You think you're not a good singer. That was pretty good. <laughs> no, that was more like a jokey kind of thing, man. Like, but it wasn't bad, though, oddly enough. <laughs> it's also I'm like familiar. Like, folks, we're talking about the Joel Schumacher fan of the opera. And this is this is like one of those things where it's like, we talk about the two dudes Venn diagram and the center of that Venn diagram. And usually it's for things that are like high quality in our minds or like the best of the best things right. like Aqu- Aquaman, 20,000 leagues under the sea, Pacific rim nightmare, like Guillermo del Toro in general. Yeah. There's he, a lot he, of things. He is one of the few people that are people that, that's in there. Um, but this is one of those where it's in the it's in the center because, well, <laughs> I'm a bit. I mean, I'm a big fan of the opera fan. This is if you listen to this show long enough, you should know that. And Richard has been. I mean, obviously, you have the Batman connection with Joel Schumacher, but you, especially the last couple of years, you've been after Joel Schumacher's passing. Uh, you've been very curious about his filmography, or at least wanting to revisit his filmography. Do you think that's an accurate statement yes. for me to make, or am I oh, just yeah. saying utter bullshit here? <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, um, like I think I think the opportunities were brought as well because a couple of his movies got like new transfers, like Lost right. Boys and Flatliners, which I bought sure. uh, Joey a copy of Flatliners. Um, good, good movie, good movie, genuinely good transfer yeah. too. And it was like, because here's the thing: like Joel Schumacher was always known as the the guy that made shitty Batman movies, and it's like, yeah, that's not even true. I'd I'd argue, like he's the guy that made Batman movies, yes, but shitty Batman movies is far from the truth. I would argue. And the thing is, like, I feel like outside of those movies, I'd maybe only seen like one or two other movies he'd done. And because right. there was that unfortunate preconceived notion and I fell trapped to that whole, oh, Joel Schumacher made bad Batman movies, even though I was an idiot at the time, um, it, it I failed to actually like bother to look at the rest of this guy's movies and, and 
discern for myself if I thought he was a good filmmaker or not. And I mean, there is definitely like sort of a, a differentiation between like early day Schumacher and latter years Schumacher as we'll probably get into, but, um, no, he was not in any way a bad filmmaker. He, he may, he may have made some rough choices or he had to probably dodge a few things with the studios or people involved, but there's no question. The guy was an immense talent and, I wanted to explore more of his stuff, and I remember watching Lost Boys, because I'd seen Lost Boys a long time ago, but I didn't really give it the time of day at that point, so I watched it again recently, I'm like, this movie's so fun. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's so colorful, the music's fantastic, the atmosphere is breathtaking. Like, you watch that, or you watch Flatliners, and there's no question that he could tackle, like like, a comic book type movie. And... So I was I was definitely excited to actually like revisit his work and of course I feel like around the same time not in any sort of related fashion um was was it around the same time that you sent me the the 25th anniversary of Phantom or at least like maybe a couple months later it was it was a it was roughly around that time yeah. I think and so it's I think it just kind of aligned itself a little bit because obviously Joel Schumacher directed this film, this version of Fa- this film version of Phantom of the Opera, the musical, and I knew already that Joey hated this movie, <laughs> but I'd never seen it. Yeah, and um, you know we would joke every so often about it, just like ah ha ha ha. But again, yeah. I I I didn't because I had never to this day I still haven't seen like a stage show of it I haven't really seen the proper stage version of it I've seen the 25th anniversary presentation of Phantom of the Opera which had to be changed in a few in a few instances but I mean it is roughly the same thing I'd imagine with with yeah more or less it's just you know like obviously because the venue that it was the Royal Albert Hall is very different from a traditional theatrical venue and you know, obviously, there's nothing like experiencing live theater. No, um, and it's some, but it's also something I'm grateful exists because that is an extraordinary cast that they yeah. assembled for that um, for that iteration. And uh, and it was also one of those cases where, like, because again, like it was it wasn't going to happen that you were going to be able to see the the Broadway <laughs> version. So I wanted you to see at least the best possible version of this thing that is I hold so dear to my heart. Mm. This the piece of me that you could see and go, okay, this makes this sense. Is, this makes sense, <laughs> this, right? This this is Joey in a nutshell. Um, mm-hmm. So like that was probably the closest I ever got as far as actual like Phantom of the Opera, the musical that I would ever see. But I'd, and I'd never seen this movie. And um, I told Joey one night, so this is basically me actually going against what I said earlier, and I'm telling the story of how this whole episode came about. <laughs> but, Honestly, because you might have a better memory of it than I do with, but, with some of the details. But I, I talked to Joey, and I'm like, I, I think I think I'm gonna watch. I, I don't. I'm paraphrasing like hell, but I'm like, I think I'm about to watch the Joel Schumacher movie. And of course, Joey, being the good friend he is, is like, don't do it. <laughs> don't. Don't do it. Protect yourself. Um, <laughs> but I'm like, but me knowing me, I'm like, screw it. And so I watch it. And as I'm watching it, yeah, it's a long movie too. So it took me a second to get through it. But yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just 
<laughs> Sorry, that was funny. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so I watched it, and like periodically, I'm sending messages to Joey. I'm like, "What is this? What 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 kind of choice was that?" Or <laughs> she's seventeen, stuff like that. And um, and then as a joke, though, also with the mentality of, oh. Joey's a collector like me, so the fact that he doesn't own this is surprising, so why don't I fix that? <laughs> so, it had sort of a mal- malicious and altruistic <laughs> goal in mind, I would I would argue, but it's probably bullshit. Uh, <laughs> but I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna jokingly send Joey a Blu-ray copy of Phantom of the Opera, uh, knowing he didn't own it on Blu-ray, did you well? Right. Did you own it on any format like DVD well, or VHS? Uh, so here's my physical media relationship with this movie. Um, I remember my mom. I don't know if it was a guy my mom dated at the time or whatever. Got her the DVD version of it, mm-hmm. and I remember watching that DVD. It was a single disc. It might have been even like a full screen. It was like one of those like full. I think it was still full oh, screen. Oh yeah, know, one of those. So, so stupid. But obviously, at a certain point, I really got into the musical. I'd seen it like on Broadway. Um, I was listening to the soundtrack. I was into. I was reading the book, the Lon Chaney movie, watching some different versions. Um, and obviously, like you know, there, this was also before the 25th anniversary concert right. happened. Yeah, because that was 2011, and I got the two disc DVD of this. It was like a, like a widescreen, but also the second, the bonus materials were really good. There was a really solid documentary about the stage version. I think it's also on the Blu-ray. Nice. Um, so so, I, it, so there is an altruistic thing about this. There is. <laughs> yes. Right. Yes. Uh, but yeah, that that's, that's sort of my, you know, as far as like the discs and stuff that I remember, okay. like. I remember even like she got it in like a red box. It was like, Ooh. And you know, it was also one of those movies too, where it just, cause I had heard about it as the show as a kid, you know, so it's like, Oh, this has to be quality. Right. <laughs> um, and also cause the movie came out around like Oscar season. You know, yeah. It was trying to capitalize off of Moulin Rouge and Chicago. And you know, th- those recent musicals, musicals were, were coming back, coming back. They were Oscar darlings and, you know, money makers. Um, so yeah. So I bought Joey the Blu-ray. So obviously yes. I have to upgrade him clearly. Uh, <laughs> so I got him the Blu-ray, but here's the kicker. This is where maybe to a certain extent, Joey was like, well, this is how I'll get him back. <laughs> jo- Joey's like, all right, if you, if, 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 if you get this for me, then we have to do an episode, uh, a special presentation of this for two dudes. And of course, my response is, okay. <laughs> Instead of like, oh, I'm like, all right. <laughs> well, you know what? In that instance, I feel like 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 you're Bugs Bunny and I'm Daffy Duck. Where it's like <laughs> in any attempt that I try to, to pull one over you fails spectacularly. <laughs> Duck season, Fire! I'm Gerard Butler! It's Gerard Butler season! I'm a sunburn! I'm a sunburn! I'm an elk! Shoot me! Uh, You're <laughs> despicable. Be very, very quiet. I'm hunting phantoms. <laughs> Is Gifford our Elmer Fudd? He should be. 
<laughs> He's like the most likable Elmer Fudd. I mean, I think I could attract him if I'm in drag. I, I believe that yeah. for sure. Yeah, I've been told uh, by various people that I would make a great drag queen, and I took that as the highest compliment. I could, I could definitely see that for sure. I, I would rock um, it, but that's that's yeah. neither here nor there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, but Phantom of the Opera. I mean, this is a weird movie because this, yes, was, like this was going to be made a long time ago. Yeah. What's the so what what yeah? Tell the whole history actually because I don't I didn't know any of this until you told me about it. Well, okay, and. So obviously the mu- the musical opened in London in '86. Mm-hmm. Then it opened on Broadway in '88. The rest is sort of like a huge show. It just closed on Broadway last year. Like it's and, been and it celebrate a long time. It's been on. a long, long, long time. Like like basically more longer than I've been alive. Phantom was on Broadway mm-hmm. basically, and immensely successful show. Like. To the point where the Majestic Theater, they were, like, the Schubert organization wanted it at that theater. So they did a million dollars of renovations to their theater because Phantom has very specific technical requirements, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, But obviously it was a huge deal, right? And obviously people think, movie! And so they think, oh, let's do a movie with Michael Crawford and Sarah Brightman, who are the original stars in the West End. And in the Broadway version. Mm-hmm. And Michael Crawford won the... I think he won both the Olivier Award and the Tony Award. That's high for, praise. Like, he's... I mean, when you watch clips of him, he is spectacular. I, I think the best way I can describe him, he's like a tragic clown. Like, and I don't mean that as like... A, like Pagliacci? I mean like, like a Pagliacci type. Like, the way his voice is mm-hmm. and the way he carries himself. It's 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 honestly... It's, it's, it's honestly really beautiful. Um, but... Yeah, they were going to do that, and Schumacher apparently was Lloyd Webber's choice from, like, the very beginning. Which, and, which uh, oddly enough, you watch those early movies, and you're like, yeah, I get it. You get it. But this was all, keep in mind, this is also before Batman. Yeah. This is before the Batman movies as well. Like, you watch, this also, like, even yeah. watching, like, Lost Boys and Flatliners, like, this, the, the level of craftsmanship just on display, it makes sense. Um, But... Things happened uh, because the other thing you needed about Sarah Brightman is that she was with, she was married to Andrew Lloyd Webber. He wrote Phantom of the Opera for her, and they went through a divorce, and that put the kibosh on that film version of the musical for a while. Mm-hmm. And eventually it came back up. And there were all sorts of, like, casting rumors swirling, like, Antonio Banderas as the Phantom. Which you did send uh, me that little clip of him singing. That little and thing. He's, he can he can sing, you know. He's pretty good. Um, he's pretty good. And then, like, you have Hugh Jack. I remember hearing Hugh Jackman and Anne Hathaway, you know. Um, but that did not happen. <coughs> uh, Hugh, Hugh, Hugh Jackman went on to do Van Helsing, which... Um, <laughs> Thank you. Ten-year-old me... <laughs> Ten-year-old me, even though Hugh Jackman, you might have probably would have preferred to be the song and dance man. Ten-year-old me appreciates that you did Van Helsing. <laughs> um, you'll never listen to this, but thank you. Watch, um, watch he actually does, and we're like, holy shit! <laughs> but I have it, my copy right here. Sign it. Yeah, he has his copy. Um, so yeah, so eventually it ended up happening. I think it was like a lot of it was like an independent sort of production. It was in shot entirely at Pinewood Studios. Mm-hmm. and like it was I think at that point one of the most expensive independent like independent movies 
ever made. Um, you know, and because I think Lloyd Webber wanted a lot of control over well, a lot of control over the movie, right? Um, and I, but I also I think it's also it's a you know, not to get too ahead of myself, but it's ultimately the result that we get is not fantastic. And listen, like. I feel weird talking about this too because we just did the 2023 episode where I'm like, we don't like talking about movies we don't like. It's, but, but, it's, but it's true though. I, I think it's like sometimes you gotta you gotta bring up stuff. Like I'm not saying like don't ever talk about movies you don't like ever, but like I don't mm-hmm. think you need to parade it as like a list. No, or like you know, you know, I think it's I, important and, to talk about these things. And I think it's I think it's important to note that we're not like just gonna riff tracks this situation or just completely poo poo on this movie like obviously nope. it's it's not something like i i don't have as much of a hatred for it maybe not maybe hatred's a strong word but i don't have as much of a dissatisfaction with it as you do but i right. also don't have that level uh of love or or connection with phantom that you do but at the same right. time like i watch it and there's definitely things that i gotta say about it um mm-hmm. And so it's like, I think, I think it's definitely more of a constructive route more so than like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> you know what um, I mean? Like, I think, I yeah. think we're, we're a little bit more level headed than that than to just like, I think I, yeah. Cause we were, we were bringing up things that we liked. Yeah. You know, I wanted throughout. to find something um, I liked about it. There's a couple things that we liked. There's a bunch. Cause like, actually. cause I like before we even hit play, the first thing I said was, if you'd have told me that there was a Phantom of the Opera movie with all these people in it, a lot of whom I really like, like I like Joel Schumacher, I like Gerard Butler, I like Patrick. We love Patrick Wilson on this show. Huge. We huge love Patrick, Patrick Wilson on this show. And even Emmy Rossum. Become a huge fan of her in the last couple of years. Um, watching Shameless, she was fantastic on that. Um, and just, just the, just, there's so many aspects of it. They're like, oh, this no-brainer. This would be a great movie until you, like, see it and then hear about all the different aspects that went into it and stuff and you know it is what it is but i mean hey that's not to say no one in this movie isn't incredibly talented at what they do right like you can any of these people like you I, you can name things that they've done that you like you know mm-hmm. i thinking about the thing people i think about the first that the always the first people that i think of oddly enough are the managers mm-hmm. and like because the managers are in the stage show and they're so funny and you, they're you have, uh, Karen Hines and Simon Callow and Karen Hines has been in so many things. I like, I don't know if you've seen Belfast yet, but he breaks your heart in in Belfast. He's so good. That's what I've heard. I've heard he's, I mean, I've seen, I've seen him in a handful of things and he's incredible and everything I've seen him in. Um, he's the cutest he's the cutest supervillain. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes, he is. And then there's Simon Callow, who I haven't, I don't think I've seen too, too many things with him as an actor, but on like, if you watch a lot of like Criterion editions of like Orson Welles movies, he pops up because he's an Orson Welles biographer too. That's pretty wild. Which which is kind of awesome, honestly. So, yeah. I'll say the two things I know him from, I mean, obviously, you know, I grew up a Jim Carrey fan and he was in Ace Ventura, When Nature Calls, the sequel. And I, mm-hmm. I forgot about this, but I do believe he plays Charles Dickens on Doctor Who in, in an episode. That makes so much sense. Like, <laughs> like I forget. I think I'm pretty... It was either David Tennant or Eccleston. I don't think it was with Matt Smith. 
but I, I, I remember him playing Charles Dickens for one, I want to say Eccleston, but I could be entirely wrong, but I know he did. If it was 05, I think oh, that was... Oh, you know what else I forgot? I, I also know Simon Callow from Amadeus. Uh, oh, a, wow. A fa- fairly fairly prominent. I mean, like, what am I all... T- um, how many times do I fucking talk about Amadeus? Often. Like, and the fact that it took you that long to... It's surprising. But you know I'm what? Like, you, were, you were traumatized. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's the level of poo-pooing we'll do on this one. <laughs> Just me this joking just about like, Joey's oh. misery is really all it is. <laughs> yeah, taking on the role of Dickens, you're right. He played um he played Charles Dickens. What in that. what what year? Uh, does I it say? It. Hold on. Uh, <laughs> it does have like the tis it does se- I like it when they separate the T V credits and movie credits, by mm-hmm. the way, on Wikipedia. Shout out to Wikipedia. Um <laughs> Cause if it's oh if it's oh five, then I think it's Eccleston he he only oh, oh. He was in 05 and 11 as Charles Dickens in both. Um, oh. Oh, so then... Both of these, ac- according to this, yeah. So he played it for Eccleston and Matt Smith? I completely forgot about Because he was the, uh, uh, the Unquiet Dead and the Wedding of River Song. Oh. Two episodes. Yeah. Wedding of River Song, that was, that's Matt Smith. So he would have, so he, he completely bypassed, uh, David Tennant, <laughs> is what I'm learning. But anyway. Um... I mean, I'm trying to think what else. Like, like but I, I think they're really funny in the movie. Um, I like them, and I, I, I think they're good. They're memorable. I like, uh, I like I, the conductor I, I, as well. <laughs> the conductor is memorable. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, like you pointed out, he, he pops up in the masquerade sequence, he's, and that's that's kind of nice. He's literally conducting the dance, and I'm like, oh, that's kind of fun. It, it is fun. Um, let's see, Mini Driver, I think is is is. You know, acting wise, very good as Carlotta. Mm-hmm. I know she's dubbed for the movie for her singing. Um, who, who, who's obvious? Do you know who sang the voice of? Off the top of my head, uh, Margaret Margaret Priest, who um, uh, she's you know got some resume here. You know, <laughs> she's uh, she's got she's, some work that she's done. I mean, she's got like a, she's op like legitimate like opera. So, um, like <laughs> she's like legit. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Like legitimate, yeah. So that's which you know actually is not the only person who has experience with the metric with like opera in this cast because Emmy Rossum, Emmy Rossum, Emmy Rossum is in this um, as Christine Daae. As Christine Daae, she has a lovely voice. Um, and it's, it's insane to think about how young she was when she did this. Yes. That's, that's like a big, that's like a big, uh, talking point almost for a lot of the watching experience of this. I think she got it like, um, I think she got a golden globe nomination if I'm not mistaken. Like, you know what? It's, Props to her. Honestly. Like, so, so like, honestly, like, um, good for her in that respect and then i think she got like national board of review like breakout star they say it on the blu-ray box um and it's i mean like like like, i think the biggest problem i think is that is the is how she's you like especially in the scenes where she's singing there's not much going on right you know she sings it love it sings beautifully i'm not a singing expert you know but she sings beautifully as far as i can hear but she's not 
the acting like is is just it's very the way she's directed is very stilted. Yeah. Yeah. Um so and I you can't I can't hold that against her. That's just, you know, that I, I think you got to lay at the feet of Schumacher cuz like that's you know. He pr- and honestly, knowing Schumacher, he probably would have done the same thing. Like he probably would have said that's my that's on me. And dude, I mean, dude, that was, kind of guy. dude was fucking humble. No, yeah, yeah. I'll never, for, never forget him talking about like Batman and Robin, like, like his like apology. You know, yeah. Um, like how many people actually do that? <laughs> you know, no one, uh, <laughs> no one, no one does. Uh, no but one. there's, there's Chris, but there's Christine. Obviously, she's the young ingenue. She's our main character. Young, um, young <laughs> is the operative word here. Uh, Patrick Wilson plays Raul, who is her, you know... You mean her, you mean Raul? Raul. Raul. The Vicomte de Changi, you know? Uh, Raul. <laughs> Good old Raul. Raul. It's, that, that makes me think of um, any time I talk to, to Claudia, friend, my friend Claudia, um, who lives in Australia. Um, and, and obviously, Australia, UK, whenever they talk about the seasons, they'll be like, winter, autumn... But we'll we'll say like fall, <laughs> and so she just starts laughing every time I say. Uh, she's like, like it'll be October, and I'll be like, oh, you know, it's fall. She's like, <laughs> I'm like, what? What happened? What did I say? She's like, it's just funny hearing you say fall. <laughs> it's you know us silly Americans, uh, and I'm like, yeah, no, I get that. <laughs> but that's yeah. what that makes me think of. Uh, but, but Patrick Wilson, I think, you know, he's, he's got stage experience. We were talking about like Oklahoma, mm-hmm. uh, the full Monty, you know, he's good at what he does. I think he's, he's good here. He is. Um, you know, probably out of the three main people, the best, honestly. I'd agree with that. You know, um, I think like, I definitely agree that, uh, Rossum's just a bit stilted, but again, I, I I don't think that's entirely her fault. I think I think f- for the for the I guess the situation you could say she does the best she 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 does breeding well. Yeah. For, and oh yeah, absolutely. Like I I remember I don't remember who it was, but it might have been like when I was in high school, and I remember people like saying, "Oh, she's not like she she's fine, but she's not that great or whatever." And I hear, and I, I assume maybe they were talking about her singing and I finally watched this movie and I'm like, her singing's wonderful. Like, I don't, like, I don't know how it's supposed to be compared to the show. Like I had like a few examples here and there, but, um, for what it is, like, it's, it's really, I can see why she was picked for the role. Cause you hear that voice and you're like, damn, yeah, you know, like, yeah, it, it, in a, in a way it reminds me of even just watching West Side Story and with Rachel Zegler, just being like, holy shit. Like, like, yeah. I mean, obviously, like, she was a huge part of why that movie is so good. Yeah. And so you're just like, you're literally just falling in love with her on screen because she's just that much of a presence. And for being so young as she is, and with that powerful of a voice, you're like, holy fuck. Like, that was a discovery on Spielberg's part. Like, hell yeah. Um, and so I feel like I get a similar sort of vibe from Emmy Rossum just because like you hear that voice and you're kind of like, wow. Yeah. Like that's, that's incredibly insanely impressive. And yeah, she's, she's a bit reserved in many respects, 
and maybe there maybe it was an, an because of her age and because maybe there was a fear of letting her like do more things because they're like oh she's young but at the same time like it would have been nice to have her more like theatrical i guess and i know you when you want to be more reserved because it is a movie but even so like, like it's even for movie acting yeah like, you know it's it, it, it's tough and again my standards are like different because like i've seen the show yeah five exactly live yeah. and i've seen a number of wonderful actresses play this part mm-hmm. and when like with the the like especially when you get to like the final layer when she's She's yelling at the phantom. She's pleading, you know, and like, it's just so many like moment, like little moments, but I also want to get to, uh, Gerard Butler, oh. which I do enjoy Gerard, but like, I, a, I, like as a screen presence. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's a reason why he's a lead in a lot of like your dad's favorite movies. <laughs> That's a perfect way to describe it. <laughs> I feel like anytime I see him, I'm like, dads will love this. It's I, probably like okay, if you couldn't can't think of a Christmas gift for your dad, just go to the Walmart five dollar bin if it still exists. Find a Gerard Butler movie, put it, wrap it up in wrapping paper. Boom, dad, love. dad will love it. Dad satisfied. <laughs> dad, dads love it, especially when it's like an action movie. <laughs> yes, I mean, listen, they made so many of those Olympuses fall. What I mean, like three of those Olympuses fall. Because mm-hmm. like Olympus has fallen. Um, was it, isn't it just London has fallen or London has fallen. And then what's the other one? <laughs> it's something has fallen. It's all fallen. It's all, it's all fallen. fallen. No, it's fallen apart. It's fallen down. Ah, London bridge. Um, <laughs> though I, here's, I have a question. So, sure. cause I, I have an answer for this, but like, was this the first time you watched a movie with Gerard Butler or was it this or because I know mo- for most other people it might be a different answer, but I'm curious if this is yours. For me, I think it had to have been because that's it. Just realize... makes sense, I think. Yeah, it was definitely like the who. Yeah, that was definitely the earliest like instance of me remember like seeing Gerard Butler in a movie, and then like he came out in like a couple years later, 300, right? Huge Which, deal. Huge deal. Probably his defining role, um, and. And then I realize I do double. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's the same guy. That's Phantom. <laughs> Whoa! Except instead of the top part of his face being covered, he's got a beard covering the bottom part of his face. Oh man, yeah. So yeah, Phantom would probably it was, was, was the answer. Yeah, mine was Dracula 2000. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or pardon me, I think it's Wes Craven presents Dracula 2000. Um, I think, okay. but I don't think Wes Craven, Wes Craven didn't direct it. He, I think he was just a producer on it, but I remember, yeah. I remember seeing that movie and it had like that movie had pretty solid cast. I get, well, outside of one particular actor that's in that movie that is not a good person. Um, his name rhymes with, uh, Fanny Lasterson, uh, <laughs> uh figure that out if you want. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, like, I had a pretty solid... I had Christopher Plummer as, like, an old Van Helsing mm. kind of guy. And Gerard Butler plays Dracula, basically. And yeah. he doesn't talk much. He mostly just kind of, like, is shirtless. And, like, he has the sort of similar phantom presence, but he doesn't talk a whole lot. Sure. And his hair is all curly. 
and it's sticking out and he's just staring all the time like this yeah like that that weird like vampire directing or that weird vampire acting that uh permeated i feel like for a short period of time where it literally was just you're walking elegantly and you don't blink <laughs> like don't blink once because right. then they'll think you're human um but that was the first time i ever saw him in anything and then i saw him in 300 and then obviously like everybody else i'm like oh i love gerard butler and mm-hmm. um but i knew he was in this yeah and i knew he sang because i remember um for my theater tech class in i might have told the story but my, my theater tech class in um high school uh we were we had to sing songs for for one of our assignments and i knew jack about musicals outside of sweeney todd which was coming out of the, the movie was coming out at the time so i knew of that but obviously none of there's not really any male solo songs because all the songs sweeney sings is with somebody else um right. yeah, yeah outside of i mean even epiphany like mrs lovett uh interjects every so often but um with uh with fat with with phantom of the opera that's how i found out about music of the night and of course i listened to that version because i was curious i'm like i like gerard butler and i didn't know people hated it (laughs) right i didn't know that there was that like reputation so i listened to it and i'm like it's okay (laughs) but i felt like maybe when i listened to the the stage version and i listened to that the the gerard butler version was more attainable (laughs) as far as like my personal range um so i will say it helped for what it is it it helped that's good that's good so that is that but um but now with it with context and and hearing him sing the rest of the songs it's been an experience (laughs) (laughs) i can tell you that (laughs) <laughs> it's been an experience like because i'm trying to remember did you watch that version you might have said this did you watch that version after like before we watched the 25th yeah oh did i I'm trying to remember i'm having a hard time remembering I, f- I feel like it had to have been after only because i was just really curious after watching the stage show Cause that would have, I would, I don't know if I would have watched it cause I know we made jokes and I know we were I, most, again, my jokes were at the expense of your misery more so than me yes, joking always. about the movie. Um, always. but, <laughs> but no, I think I watched it after because that's cause I'd seen that finally and I'm like, okay, this is the closest I'll probably get to like the actual production. That's not like a leaked version or something online that I don't want to, yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. want to do that. But, um, uh, I watched that, and then I'm like, okay, I, maybe I should check this out. Much to Joey's detriment. I don't know if I even told you I was going to watch it. I might have already just started watching it and then showed you I was watching it. I think I think you might have... It almost, I almost feel like you just sent me the review, and it just... At least that's how I remember <laughs> Some, it. That, that, that might have been the case, actually. I don't remember entirely, but I know I watched it. and Well, I know I sent you videos... Cause I, oh yes, did. okay. Never yeah, I do remember because yeah. I sent you videos. Because there was a there was after the music of the night part. Because obviously that were those were like the big songs, like Phantom of the like, like the what the why am I? Bl- it's is it just called Phantom of the Opera? 
the Phantom. title, like the, the the title song. Yeah, the, the Phantom okay. of the Opera. That's it. All right. Yeah. I didn't know mm-hmm. if it had a different name, but so like the yeah. Phantom of the Opera, and then obviously Music of the Night, and then when he's when he does the like one line thing, that next song, and I just kind of started laughing to myself, and I think that's when I was like, I gotta share this with Joey, and then of course like. You know, there's aspects of the story where um, the Phantom and, and Christine are, like, intimate. Not like, they don't like, you know, they're not, like, having sex or anything. But, like, well, at least not until the sequel. <laughs> but, or at least that's what I've learned. I haven't seen yeah. it, but I know it mm. now. Um, Love never dies, baby. <laughs> I beg to differ. Uh, <laughs> anyway. But, no, so, like... But they, 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 like, get intimate romantically, physically, in a, in a way, like, within the songs. And then, of course, like, you see them, like, embracing, and you see, like, the phantom caressing Christine. And then the immediate thought of, she's 17, and he's, like, 30. <laughs> or whatever age he was at the time he did he's the like, movie. I think he's, like, tw- it was, like, twice her age. Yeah, it's like it, was, yeah. it was just, like, uncomfortable. And then I remembered... Mm-hmm watching the 25th not to just completely go into this which that's just was happening anyway but um when we watch the 25th anniversary there's that bit at the end where they're trying to trap the phantom by like using unfortunately using christine as bait and she's dressing very she dresses very seductively very sexual and she's the don juan triumphant sequence exactly and i'm like oh wait are they gonna do that for this one (laughs) and they kind of do maybe not yeah like it's definitely one of those like you do want it to be maybe kind of a sexy scene but not with a 17 year old not with the people not with the people involved not with this no 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 so there's like uh, it's so there's definitely a moment you're like you're thinking about how the scene was made and it's like they were (laughs) tiptoeing they were they had to be very careful um you know on some level but i was also thinking about like um musical explaining they did an episode about this version and they were like saying like yeah i don't believe that this guy is in love with her but not for the reasons of like acting but because it's just like look guys (laughs) this is gross it's (laughs) it's icky like gerard butler by all accounts seems like a good dude and it's just like knock on wood you (laughs) knock on wood like but it just doesn't seem like it's like kind of a thing where it's like you don't believe it like Mm-mm. that it could be possible and the, the, here's the other thing with Phantom of the Opera too is that Phantom of the Opera is a fantasy yeah. in this, it's 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 like listen are there icky is it problem is it like whoa guys this is problematic yeah it is but you know what people people do like that sort of thing there's a reason why people love Kylo Ren People like people like all these these different characters. Like people, people like watching toxic soap opera type relationships, and not to say soap opera in like a pejorative manner, but like in that sort of right. like d- dramatic, like yeah, complicated. Like that's 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 just cinema in general. I mean, like, 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 it's like cool. It's like, oh, this mysterious man is is you know obsessed with me and wants me to be a great singer. It's like, and she has, could fix him, <laughs> you know. <laughs> she she could fix him, or it's like, oh, it's like some, it's like something interesting. It's tantalizing, you know. It's it's the idea of it, you know. And obviously, the 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 show is like obviously leans on the side of this guy's a creep. Stop. Yes, but it also doesn't very much indulge in the oh look at this. 
look how pretty this is. This is so cool. He got you through a mirror. Oh, boy. <laughs> hey, guys. <laughs> hey, guys. <laughs> but but it's like, but it's just so it's just so hard to watch that scene just because you know Wait. and it's and the thing is it's not like it's the only movie that's done this no you know, unfor- right. unfortunately sure. there's always been weird age gaps for so many different movies i mean even going back to movies we've talked about on the show there's been weird age gaps but at the very least you just hope that everyone's of age but still it's icky regardless but the mm. fact that like she's 17 and he's not (laughs) it it just makes it kind of uncomfortable to watch that scene as opposed to like maybe what you would want to it to feel maybe i don't know but um yeah i believe there was actually was like a phantom who was like he had some like icky shit like irl oh and and there were people who were like how could you cast this man uh, so it, it just adds on, you know, it's especially something that would appeal to like young girls to, you know, yeah. on some level. Um, but yeah, like that's why, like, you know, again, like I would rather just watch this with like adults, yes. you know, like two adults, like, okay, the guy's a little older, but it's like, at least you get the scent, you get the sense of like, you at least can understand, like when you watch like the, um, like when you watch like a version of Phantom, like it could be interpreted different ways, but you could almost see like okay, there is an appeal to the Phantom, yeah, on some level. You could see why Christine, on some level, was you know enamored with this idea on some you know on some level. But with this, it's just like you're those questions keep haunting you. It uh, it, it throughout. It would be kind of like like I know we make fun of it a lot, and there's reason for it, but it'd be like imagine if you watched Grease, but with teenagers. Yeah. Like, yeah, like in the in the movie, every all of them are like almost in the 30. Like you look at some of them and you're like, how is this person in high school? But at the same time, you're like, I I much prefer that they're not actually teenagers because that would be yeah. incredibly uncomfortable to watch. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Which is probably why so many people are really uncomfortable watching stuff like Euphoria. And like, yeah, a lot of those yeah. actors are, you know, adults, but at the same time like that show hyper like sexualizes the teenagers on the show. Yeah. And so it's yeah. like it's uncomfortable to watch for that reason. Um I'm trying to th- So obviously there's that aspect like it's important but I think there's other things to talk about yeah. with th- with this movie. Um like I think it's interesting too like obviously like and I think about this with the live action Disney remakes where it's like you ha- might have an even larger like orchestra than you did before, especially with Phantom, because Phantom, like, even if it was, like, a larger Broadway orchestra, is maybe, like, 20-something pieces, maybe. Okay. Like, the original, like, it was, like, 20-something, which is pretty big for a show. Like, Sweeney Todd boasted, like, the most on Broadway, like, 27 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, a movie orchestra is huge. Like, you, know, it's you, have, you have that luxury of really expanding it out with the movie. So, like, if I could just have, like, just the music of this it would be probably be phenomenal. And like instances, I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is like, so I can only ima- like, I didn't watch it on like my sound system, but like, I imagine my, it would be, it would hopefully be pretty great. Um, mm-hmm. so it makes you wish that like the, like some of the singing was a little, you know, improved. Um, and, but like, 
one of the other things with Phantom is that it's not just a show about the music. And I've said this before, too. Yes, it's, you have. The, the music is very important, obviously. I listen to music all the time. Like, I had, like, several different versions of Phantom of the Opera on my Spotify rap. I'm 0.5% in Andrew Lloyd Webber's <laughs> listeners. Don't at me. You um, have the soundtrack in front of me right now. Not the movie, just the actual Broadway soundtrack in front of this, me. The original cast uh, CD. Yep. Uh, with Sarah Brightman on the back giving a derp face. But anyway. Um, <laughs> love you, Sarah Brightman. Um, also listening but, to the show with Hugh Jackman right next to each other. and Hugh Jackman are right next to each other. They're, they're very listening intently. <laughs> they're like, what are they going to say about us again? <laughs> um, no, but like, so like having that, like it's also very much about the spectacle. And that's why people had such a big problem with the London version sort of changing things up with different things and like the Broadway version closing and because those older versions, the vision that Harold Prince, that the Harold Prince, that uh, Marie Bjornsson with the costumes and the sets that they had for that show is integral to the show right. itself, you know? And like, it's one of those things where I, I almost wouldn't like, I'm, I would definitely see a new Phantom production come to Broadway in the next couple of years, but I would almost prefer like it to come in like 20 years from now, completely different and see what that's like. Oh God. Because be like 50, whatever, Ugh. you know, that's just a personal Sorry. thing though. <laughs> um, but, but basically what I'm trying to say is that like the visual component of Phantom, it's got to be spectacular. It's a spectacle. Like I was saying this to you when we were watching the movie, the last couple times I saw Phantom, people gasped, audible gasps and applause when the curtain came up and you saw the grand staircase with the masquerade sequence, all these different colorful costumes, all these unique costumes. Right. Now, obviously for a movie, you're going to make it a little more realistic, but... It's all black. All these costumes are black and white. It's very like a tinge of gold. Flat. A tinge of gold. It's very flat. Um, it's it, it's just not in, it's not visually interesting. And that's like I think the worst crime this movie commits is like, that in a lot of areas it's not great. Like I think that was the big thing you were talking about when I think it, even while we were watching it was the 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 weird balance between realism and theatrical like this idea like which it's it's not like it's impossible to have a good balance of both of those things um but the fact that the movie from a director who has shown that he is because i remember we were watching like batman forever and you were like why couldn't have they have made it in the 90s (laughs) and i'm like yeah (laughs) but yeah uh, yeah um but like that was they needed to make Phantom of the Opera toyetic is what we're trying to say. We want we want there to be toys. Warner Brothers, why didn't you put the same pressure there? <laughs> why didn't you put um that, uh, why didn't you put the Phantom of the Opera on a surfboard? I mean, listen, could you imagine? Could you imagine? I every, every surfer would have had one. Every single one. Everyone. But you were saying um <laughs> every surfer uh but like you were talking about like the the sort of like weird balance which it almost feels like there isn't much more it's more of like a clashing maybe yeah um but again like that was that's probably the biggest thing that i have no association with because when i watched the 25th anniversary version like the the, the production value of that had to be sort of 
altered to fit the setting that they were at with the Royal Albert Hall. So I couldn't really truly because I remember when we watched it and we were talking about the masquerade bit, you had to show me some kind of clip that you found so I can mm-hmm. get some kind of idea of what it was supposed to look like on the sh- on the stage. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, though I will say I think the one from Royal Albert was was pretty solid from what I remember. It's, it's not bad again, but but it's but, like when you have like. It's almost like something from like a dream where you have like this one spiraled staircase. So many of the things are not even real people. They're just like costumed dummies yeah. on there that just made to populate it. And I'm not saying the thing needed to go all the way there, but it, I, I think it, it, there could have been just just a little more color and a little more, you know, just like a, a uniqueness. It's just yeah. like, and Masquerade is like, especially because you have to wait till the end of the movie to get to the chandelier in mm-hmm. this one right because in in the stage version it happens at the end of act one of of the show yeah um and then act two opens with the masquerade but in this one you have the fan going and then masquerade! <laughs> uh, well like i guess i guess when i look at it when i look at the masquerade sequence and how it's designed i think of like like how how most people like a modern audience looks at like style you know like for yeah. a long time like color color was very much like a like a 60s 70s 80s sort of thing and then by the time the 90s and 2000s it was getting to be more like monotone more like black and white gold silver stuff like that as far as right fashion or architecture or anything like i think of um you know, pretty much anything that like in modern in a modern sense that's meant to look meant to look modern, and it's just like it lacks so much color. Like, so I don't know if maybe that was the mentality for it because it was like two thousand three, two thousand four, or two thousand three when they filmed it, but probably two thousand four when it because it came out in two thousand four. Yeah. Um. So maybe there was that kind of mentality of okay, we've moved away from the color. So I I don't I'm I guess I'm just trying to figure out where it got to that point, but. For what it is, I don't think it's like poorly designed, but I do. I am someone who loves color and I love seeing colorful things. So it would have been nice. I would. I do agree with you. It would have been probably a lot better if it was just more unique and a little bit more theatrical, and it wasn't like trying to be as maybe modern as it was, or even an Oscar Beatty sort of thing. Because we were saying, obviously, it was really trying to lean into that and that aesthetic. I think of Oscar Bait when I think when I see that aesthetic. I think. It did pick up some Oscar nominations, um, but nothing like it didn't pick up Best Picture or anything like no. that. Um, it got cinematography nomination though. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, but also like too, like going on the Masquerade sequence, it's supposed to be a scene of spectacle, yeah. and obviously this is a, a movie, so you have more characters or more people populating it, and they focus more on a lot more on the the people working at the opera. The, uh, the people who are not, like, the major stars or producers or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And I don't think the movie really does much with that other than to just, here's more people. Hey, remember when we did something like this? And people did something like this in Titanic. Right. You know, it's not, you it's not, see... it's not like there's, there's no message behind it. It's kind of arbitrary. That's what you're it, saying. It's, yeah. Yeah. And it's like, okay, you're taking away from, like, not that I think it's. <laughs> that spectacular but taking away from like me seeing the spectacle um of of this scene um and then the phantom shows up 
and the Phantom shows up. Listen, like the Red Death costume in the stage version is like the cool. I was the Red Death for how my senior year of high school. Um, I was a a a costume uh contestant. I didn't win, but somebody was like like teacher judges were like, yeah, you need to be in this. Um, <laughs> you should have won. Post, I I, sh- I should post a picture of it. It's not the best costume. Have I seen it? it? I I feel like I've I've shown it. I've maybe shown you, but I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, like it, it, like the stage version, such a beautiful, like ridiculous costume. It's like literally like a red giant, like Renaissance looking thing with a talking skull head. Yeah. Like it's so great. And then it's like this, it's almost like very minimalist. Like It's super like, minimalist, very modern times approach similar to everything else. Um, and that's kind of the thing, one of the things I also hold against is because like some of the touring versions and some of the newer productions have leaned more towards like more of the, the realism aspect and more like literal, um, which I don't think works for Phantom as well. Um, cause he's a theatrical like, character of the Phantom. He, he's a theatrical character, but I also think like, it's kind of like cool that these weird things are happening and it's like, it's not so literal, like I think about like again like the most famous scene is where like you know they're on the the underground river and you have the candelabras coming out and in this movie it's so literal it only ha- happens at the very end there's no like oh my goodness look at that and that again that'd be hard to be impressive but I guess what I'm really trying to say is this really should have just been an 80s music video the movie <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I, it's, it, it's like Michael Bolton music video. <laughs> In a lot of ways. See, I, uh, see, I need Gerard Butler to sing Steel Bars wrapped around <laughs> Raul. He's been your prisoner. I, I, I wanna I wanna have an altered version, like a Nelson Mandela uh, Mandela effect version of the like that old classic uh love songs like commercial. Yes. Where oh Michael Bolton God. shows up and he's like, Tell me how am I but instead it's Gerard Butler, Tell me how <laughs> <laughs> no, but now I'm imagining the blank, like just Patrick Wilson just singing "Solid, <laughs> Solid as a Rock." We can we get we can get Patrick Wilson to do the uh, Celine Dion portion of that commercial. And I'm your lady, <laughs> <laughs> and you are my man. Uh, for but just with five easy payments of nineteen ninety five. Um, <laughs> and then Emmy Rossum comes in. You're the meaning in my life. You're the oh. inspiration. <laughs> Actually, the Phantom should be singing that. <laughs> you know, that's a good point. Um, but going back to this, like the way it's shot, like the Phantom in most in ninety percent of this movie is does not look intimidating. That was like, a that's a big gripe that you got. That's I think. A, yeah, that's a huge gripe I have, and I don't even think it's just like a stage version versus movie version thing. It's just like this guy's supposed to be a little scary, and I see the first shot I see of him is the top of his damn head. Can like, you imagine if he like had a bald what? spot like me? <laughs> if he just see Listen, that, oh, it would have been over. Would have been. Over. <laughs> <laughs> no, it would have been fantastic because bald spots are fine. <laughs> what are you talking about? Represent representation. Representation um, from the Phantom of the Opera. 
Though, like, technically well, part of his head's balding because the scarring, but whatever. Because, yeah. <laughs> it's, it, yeah, so there's, like, a lot of shots where he's not, like, I think some of the shots where he's going after Joseph Bouquet, like, the stagehand, are, are pretty cool. One of the one of the, the bits that I actually kind of liked was after like the Phantom killed Joseph Bouquet and like it's the bit where it's in between that and then before they sing All I Ask of You and it's like um Raul and Christina going up to the top of the opera house. Yeah. I thought that was I thought that was yeah. well done. I thought it was pre- it was exci- it felt like there was like a purpose. They were like she I felt like she was like, "Oh my gosh, this is scary." He's like, "Oh my gosh, what's going on?" The Phantom. <laughs> the Phantom of the Opera is inside your mind. I not see what's funny is when you're t- uh, as you're talking about like the way that the Phantom was shot. I think one of the times we were watching Batman Forever where Batman is entering something or like appearing somewhere and you're like, I think that was one of the times you were like, why wasn't Phantom made <laughs> in, in that time period? Because listen, uh, I, let me tell you, Batman's got some great entrances in the Schumacher movies. He comes through the yeah. like the window and the one guy's going, yes. Batman! Hey! <laughs> we needed a moment in Phantom of the Opera. Phantom, the Phantom of the Opera k- k- hey! kicks in. Hey! <laughs> oh. oh my god! Because I, I just immediately was because there was that one bit where he like swooshes his cape, and I'm like, Batman had a lot of great cape swooshes, and I'm like, oh no. We, we needed more of that. We needed that energy. Could you imagine Val Kilmer as the Phantom of the Opera? Val Kilmer. I don't know if he can sing, but I mean, but 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 I think he would be able, like because I've heard I've told you about this like when he did the Zorro like radio mm-hmm. drama, he was like the adaptation of the original book, and his Zorro voice is intimidating as fuck. Like, <laughs> he, like oh my gosh! Like, I mean, his well, Batman so voice sorry. is intimidating in, in a lot of ways too. It, I think. It, yes, yeah, yes, but like also like when you listen to the radio, then you're just imagining it, and you're just like whoa it's it's like really man what a voice um but yeah it's like i think a lot of that like there's a lot of missed opportunities in that regard Mm -hmm. um and like again like it's it's phantom of the opera not like phantom whatever this is phantom of the concert i don't know Um, no concerts are pretty pretty theatrical and that's that's bad i I do want to get to like the one of the things that we did pray that we did praise while watching it and that is like the framing device uh the black and white yeah because in the stage version there is a prologue um and there's a prologue it basically the same thing in the beginning of this movie um, was the auction scene, and it basically shows you, oh, the, the chandelier, and the, the chandelier rises up, and everyone's like, ooh, da, you know, but da, 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 da. in the, like, but other than that, the state, it doesn't have much significance other than, okay, you introduce the monkey, and you introduce, um, you the know, chandelier. Raul, basically, in the chandelier. Raul. Yeah. Raul. Um, Raul. Um, and it's like, oh, like, ooh, it's a little mystery, but you don't do much with it other than that, but the, re- the movie at least attempts to, like, um, what am I saying? Like it, it attempts to do some expand it, but also you made a good point. Like it sort of like is works as like the act breaks. Yeah. In the movie. Cause like, cause when we got to the second part, I'm like, was that the end of act one? Cause that's what it feels like. 
And I don't know if that's how it was in the show. I mean, I don't know if that's where it, it ends in the show at that point before the black and white scene. Though I don't remember what scene that was. Uh, um, but uh, it is. It was a, like um, after Christine unmasked the Phantom for the first time. That's right. We're, and we're and then he and then he does uh, he he says what what's the line that was really funny <laughs> the way it was delivered uh, so, Delilah something Delilah yeah, the way the way he says and it, I will say listen we 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 might give Gerard Butler shit for his singing but whenever he sings that's whenever he screams in his singing and you hear that King Leonidas voice that's what I'm like kind of mm-hmm. enjoying it. I'm like having a good time with it. Are you finding the lyrics? I have it right here. It's libretto. Um, Can you do it like Gerard Butler in this in this in the like Leonidas screaming? Damn you, you little prying Pandora! <laughs> you little demon! Is this what you wanted to see? Curse you! <laughs> you little lying Delilah! Yeah, that one. You little viper! Now you cannot ever be free. <laughs> Damn you! Tonight, you. There was that one line in the end of the movie, um, where uh, he and um, Ral, who's tied up Mm -hmm. next to the grate, uh, and he like looks at him and he's. I'm pretty sure it's a song lyric, but he says something, and I'm like, that was pretty good. But he, but it's mostly because he spoke. He spoke it more so than sang it. Yes. Oh yeah. Let's see if he can find that one. (laughs) (laughs) let's see like um is it uh i think you try my patient like Uh, like, no before that that one before that one before that it's see it's i think it's even before christine starts singing he says something about dying or die (laughs) did you you, you see it no i'm just laughing at the way you said that it was just funny (laughs) something about die (laughs) let me see i'm I'm, I'm looking i'm looking oh boy this is this is the moment folks (laughs) this is the moment start an old life with me (laughs) buy his freedom (laughs) with your love refuse me and you send your lover to his death this is the choice this is the point of no return. Isn't that or no? That's not it, but that was a good delivery. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It's fine. It's fine. We'll, we'll, okay, we'll, figure, we'll figure it out later. We'll figure it out if later. You, if you remember it later, let me know. I just thought it was funny. I had the libretto right next to me. <laughs> he, he, because like he looks at Raul and he says like, he like, I forget what it was. It was like something, something die. Like it was like something like that, I think. But I don't remember what it was. They might have been singing like off each other or something. But yeah, that was one part I was like, that worked for me. <laughs> I mean, that's some of my favorite lyrics in the show. Like when they're all singing and he he's like, you know, like, do you end your days with me or do you send him to his grave? And then Raul goes, why make her lie to you to save me? And then what Maybe does he say like, something after that? Past Ahopa cries for help. No point in fighting. It's a blah blah blah. You know, whatever. <laughs> we're um, we're thinking the, way too much about the, this. The the fact the fact that you you kind of just know that is just crazy, and I love it. 
I mean, it's I like like I said, I've listened to, I've probably have listened to this CD <laughs> like this very CD so many times, and I listen to it on like Spotify. I, I believe uh, every word of that. You'd probably be doing that right now if we weren't talking about this. But now I got to figure that out. But basically, more or less, like, I think visually the movie kind of, I think, doesn't work in, in a number of areas. Um, and I, I don't think it lives up to that, like, some of the promise um, that you could have with mm-hmm. an adaptation of this. <clears throat> I I do have... One question I want to ask you, knowing the experience sure. we've had with this, specifically yep. you have had mm. with this. Hi. All right. How you doing? <laughs> Do you have a moment in this movie that you're like, this for me is by far the best moment in this movie? Like a scene or a song? What, what is there? Some, is there any particular thing in the movie that you're like, this is actually really good. Um, I know we've talked about some things, but I'm curious if there's like a specific thing for the, you. Um, like, okay, I'm, I'm just making sure that um, you get it right. Yeah, I'm getting it right. So, it's it's in the masquerade sequence. Ironically enough, it's after the Phantom is like giving his ultimatum about Don Juan triumphant. <clears throat> and he dresses everybody. He says, you know. Don Juan, you know, you know, uh, Pianji's too fat, Carlotta, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, and he looks at, he looks at Christine and there's the, the new song that they incorporate. I think it, cause the song was called learned, uh, it's like learn to be lonely and Gerard Butler apparently sang a version of it called no one would listen, which is, that's why I kept, I mixed up the titles is because it was going to be that oh, song, but the same music. Cause they apparently. play that, they play that at, in during the credits. And the credits, yeah, and it's a beautiful. And Lloyd Webber wrote the music. I be, I'm, I'm sure he did because he wants to get, want to get an Oscar probably. But <laughs> it's a be, it's a beautiful piece of music though, mm-hmm. and it's probably like closest the movie comes to where I'm like, there is some type of connection that they're trying. And even if it's like, okay, this is weird, but like you're like, okay, this is, I I see the vision here, you know, like this. This works. is, this is something. Okay. Right. Um, I like that you had then, a legitimate answer for that. Actually, no, I, I was thinking about that. I, I was thinking about that. I was watching. I'm like, this is because like normally in the stage show, it's just bum, 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 and he's pointing at her and he goes and he disappears and he's like, ha ha ha. <laughs> he's like, um, now see, I'm just picturing uh, like the robot chicken version of Batman, where he's just like, oh Batman, and he just goes away. <laughs> so I'm just picturing like, <laughs> oh the Phantom. <laughs> He's just, he's just gone. <laughs> gone. <laughs> uh, I'm the Phantom. Yeah, but it, that 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 would be my. Do you have a favorite moment in this? Um, that's a good question. Um, I I I can't think of one because like. I think my biggest takeaway was I just kind of thought the movie was kind of boring. Yeah. Yeah. Like, because that was, I, and I've said this before, my big thing is like, if you can't keep my interest and I just like, don't, and I just don't really care about what's happening because that, like, I hate to say it, but I feel like the majority of the versions of 
any kind of phantom I've seen. I've had some interest in, and I like the story, but I don't know if they've captured me as much. I do have to watch the Lon Chaney one again, because I only saw it the one time. And I think I yeah. watched it with you and Allison, so I was already kind of like feeling third wheelie. <laughs> so mm. I kind of want to watch it on my own time, because I don't want to just write that one off or anything, because I did like aspects of it, but... Um, I know I didn't give it the highest score when I initially watched it. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't a bad. It's not a bad score. It was, it was like three. three. I gave. I gave it three. I gave it three out of five. It's it's passing. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's, listen, like it's it's that like like fan of the opera in general. Even as a fan, there's nothing in fan of the opera. Where I'm like because fan of the opera, the original book is not a literary masterpiece. Okay, not to speak ill of Gaston Larue, like it's. It's a nifty enough concept that mm-hmm. you know, it just happened that there were some famous adaptations and you had the Lloyd Webber musical beco- somehow become one of the biggest entertainment yeah. phenomena ever. Like, I love, I really dig the concept of it. Like, the like the idea of this kind of, like, mysterious figure, like, vandalizing this production of something and, you know... Like, it, it's, just, it's, it's, like, it's a really cool concept and I know that they've done it in... in like you were saying, like they've done so many different adaptations. Though the one I have the most connection with is the fucking Disney Channel movie. <laughs> but I, I, I guess I just haven't really seen a version of it where I'm like, outside of maybe V for Vendetta, which is very phantom coded, as kids would say. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I don't feel like I've seen a version of it where I'm like in love with it, but I want to. You know what I mean? Because yep. I do like mm-hmm. the story and I like the concept a lot. And. I think I've I've I think the majority of my interest in it has mostly just come from hearing you talk about it because you do have that mm. passion, you do have that interest for it. And that's where a lot of mine I'm like, "Oh, this like this would be really cool." But like I feel like every single time I've seen a version of it. Like even the the Hammer Horror one, I'm like, "This okay." It's not great. <laughs> no, it's like it's a like, lot I, of like for, for for perspective, one of the ones adaptations that some people praise is a student film version that tells the first half of the story <laughs> and will never get it will never get a part 2. <laughs> That's what we're it. dealing with here. Like it, it's it's a very strange thing because like the Cheney Phantom, like it's one of the most famous. It's a very famous movie monster. It is, you know. It's and it's incredible makeup. A lot, one of my favorite movies, but also it's like sur- a lot of things surrounding it, other than the production design and Cheney, and maybe one or two other aspects are not amazing. Like I don't know if there's like there's things that like I absolutely love Phantom, but I don't know if there's anything where I'm just like this is the greatest thing. Maybe the the mm-hmm. the experience of seeing the Broadway show, I guess, is the closest. You know, I I would argue, I guess, as far know. as like uh, a version of it that you're like really really that, attached like, to. This is attached. Like this is great. Like oh, Phantom of the Paradise, maybe. You know, but Fan- then again, Phantom- that's not even like Phantom of the Paradise is is a close one because I feel like the more I've watched that one, the more I've really liked it. So I think the first yeah. the first time I watched it, I was into it, but I wasn't like in love with it. Then the second time I watched it for for the show, I was like, this is a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, but that's definitely that's probably the closest I think I've gotten. But I want to watch. I want. I really want to see like like either an adaptation of the book or like I was asking you before we watched the movie if there was a director who you think would do a really good job with Phantom, and you were like, well, the easy answer, and I agreed with you, is Guillermo del Toro would probably kill it. But obviously, like we also agreed, his version would be so different than um, maybe what would yeah. what would be on the text or what would be 
if he if he tried a musical or something. But um, you know, you know who I actually would love to see direct an adaptation of of Phantom. Who? Even though he he was in a uh, Bradley Cooper. Um, <laughs> you know, but like you know, he would be the Phantom. <laughs> no, but here's what would happen. Bradley Cooper, and I admire him, he's on a quest to win an Oscar. So what does he do? It's a one-man Phantom show where he's the Phantom, Christine, Raoul. He's also the damn chandelier. So it's just a photo. It's like he's just, motion capture face. It's just face him naked. Where he's just like... <laughs> and he plays both managers. Like... Like, and they both have different like prosthetic makeups, and he plays Carlotta, <laughs> and he's just like he's just killing it. <laughs> he's just doing a great job. Uh, um, no, but like if you watch like Maestro, there's some like like some of the black and white segments of Maestro where they transition to certain things, like um, like in the beginning when he's going to Car- and he's called up to go to Carnegie Carnegie Hall, um, or there's another scene where like Carrie Mulligan's like, we need to do this. I want you to show me that I want you to play the music or whatever. And she drags him. They're going from a picnic to like this stage. Right. Basically. And like, a, you know, like this. And it's such a beautiful, beautifully theatrical see, moment. I, I was, I almost thought you were going to say it was, it was going to be Bradley Cooper makes a version of fan of the opera, but it's actually just, he hides cameras at the Oscars <laughs> and, and he like full on carries Killian Murphy. <laughs> He kidnaps Killian Murphy. <laughs> Killian Murphy is Christine Daae in this scenario. Oh my gosh! Can, can just for for shits and giggles, can Christopher Nolan be right? <laughs> yes, he can. He very much can. <laughs> and I feel, I feel like, I feel like Carrie Mulligan would just be Miranda Richardson's character. Just be, just be the. Oh, that'd be perfect, actually. <laughs> No, but it'd be really, it'd be even funnier, because I'm just thinking about her character in Maestro, and she just says, I know exactly who you are. <laughs> she does. <laughs> uh, no, but he's also the Phantom, because he goes, if the music doesn't sing, it doesn't, it doesn't sing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, that was just a really good impression as well. <laughs> like, like, it, like, but I I pictured um, Bradley Cooper from A Star Is Born. <laughs> I just wanted to get another Damn. look at you. <laughs> I want another look at you. I just wanted to get another look at you. But see, I'm thinking about him as uh, Leonard Bernstein. (laughs) (laughs) Why'd you leave Snoopy in the vestibule? (laughs) I I just want you to see that movie just for that. Why'd you see? Why'd you leave Snoopy in the vestibule? (laughs) Snoopy's just over here. Hi, I'm Lenny. (laughs) Hi, I'm the Phantom. (laughs) I'm. Like, oh, that would be like, so funny. Li- like, listen, like, he just you just got to get a good script for it. And he, that movie, to quote him, it would sing. It needs to sing. <laughs> it's the stuffy nose. <laughs> it's the stuffy nose that gets it. Folks, what is your favorite adap- what adaptation of Fed of the Opera? Sings, dude. Which what one is, sings, what, what sings for you? <laughs> Which one, when you look at it, you know exactly what it is, and would it leave Snoopy in the vestibule? These are the important questions in a life. And <laughs> are you conducting mass like a crazy person? Who knows? Uh, uh, this has been Two Dudes, One Double Feature, the podcast that sings. Check us out uh, next time. <laughs> <laughs>
Have a good night. I'm the Phantom. Thank you all for listening to Two Dudes, One Double Feature. Please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Special shout-out, as always, to John and Kenny Armstrong. Thank you guys for everything you do. We love you both so much. And, of course, stay tuned for a brand-new episode of Two Dudes, One Double Feature. If the music doesn't sink, it doesn't sink. <laughs> <laughs>